Good morning. Welcome to The Point, the radio ministry of Life Point Baptist Church of Early Texas. Life Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and we meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility, which is located at 104 East Industrial Drive in Early. That's just off of Highway 377 next to where they're building the new townhomes. We meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility because we are currently awaiting the construction of our brand new worship center, which is located on Sunrise Drive next to the early schools. Once again, Sunday school this morning at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and we meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility. We'd like to point out a couple of online resources we have for you. One, we have a blog point2life.wordpress.com that's point2life.wordpress.com there you'll find devotional thoughts theological thoughts and news about life point baptist church we also have a facebook page facebook.com slash point2life we'd be honored if you'd follow these two resources uh, keep up with us and uh, share your bible thoughts and your theological thoughts with us on those resources as well This morning, I'd like to turn your attention to Ezra chapter 6. Ezra chapter 6. We'll be wrapping up our series in the book of Ezra this morning. Ezra chapter 6. We'll be going through the entire chapter because in Ezra chapter 6, God delivers the people of Israel a major victory. And what we learn from this is that God does deliver victories. God does lift us up. God does hear our prayers and he does respond to us. And we do see God move in our lives in this present life, in this present day and time. So in Ezra chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Darius the king made a decree, and search was made in the house of the rolls, where the treasures were laid up in Babylon. And there was found at Akbetha, in the palace that is in the province of the Medes, a roll, and therein was a record thus written. In the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof threescore cubits, with three rows of great stones and a row of new timber, and let the expenses be given out of the king's house. And also let the golden and the silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought into Babylon, be restored, and brought again unto the temple which is at Jerusalem, every one to his place, and place them in the house of God. Now therefore, Tatnai, governor beyond the river, Shethazar Bosnai, and your companions, the Ashfarsites, which are beyond the river, be ye far from thence. Let the work of this house of God alone, let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in his place. Moreover, I make a decree what ye shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God, that of the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river, forthwith expenses be given unto these men, that they be not hindered, and that which they have need of, both young bullocks and rams and lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the appointment of the priest which are at Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and of his sons. Also I have made a decree that whosoever shall alter this word be timber pulled down from his house, and being set up, let him be hanged thereon, and let his house be made a dunghill for this. And the God 
that hath caused his name to dwell there, destroy all kings and people that shall put to their hand to alter and to destroy this house of God, which is at Jerusalem. I, Darius, have made a decree. Let it be done with speed. Then Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and Shetharbaznai and their companions, according to that which Darius the king had sent, so did they speedily. And the elders of the Jews which builded, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edu. And they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication of this house of God with joy. And they offered at the dedication of this house of God a hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offering for all Israel, twelve he goats according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their courses for the service of God, which is at Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month, for the priests and the Levites were purified together. All of them were pure and killed the Passover for all the children of the captivity and for their brethren, the priest, and for themselves. And the children of Israel, which were come again out of the captivity, and all such as had separated themselves from them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land to seek the Lord God of Israel did eat and kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy for the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. The Israelites here in Ezra chapter 6 are returning to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple following their captivity. And we've talked about this over the past couple of months, what this means. The fact that they had um, been in captivity for 70 years, that captivity was brought on by their idolatry. They had turned their back on God. They had sinned against God. They had rebelled against God. And in the course of their idolatry, which actually went above and beyond just worshiping idols and worshiping other things besides God. It actually involved quite a bit of gross immorality, including sexual immorality, and in some cases, child sacrifice. After God warned them to quit doing that, to repent from that, and to turn back to him, and they refused, God allowed them to be taken into captivity in the Babylonian Empire for 70 years. Now, after that 70 years was up, God brought about the Medes and the Persians who conquered Babylon and who began sending the Israelites back to Jerusalem. Now, the Israelites, after this captivity, moving back to Jerusalem, began the reconstruction process, and as they are rebuilding Jerusalem, they begin to rebuild the temple as well. Now, this temple that they were rebuilding, the house of God, the place where God would dwell, where the nation of Israel would come together to meet with God, to pray to God, to seek his guidance. They were rebuilding that place. And this reconstruction was opposed by the heathens who had moved into the land while they were away in captivity. And so these heathens that had moved into the land, they opposed the reconstruction of the temple because they knew that if God's presence dwelt in Jerusalem again, that they would be toast, that they would not be able to persecute the Israelites, that they would not be able to exploit the Israelites, that they wouldn't be able to carry out raids against the city of Jerusalem and to steal 
whatever goods that they had in the city of Jerusalem. And so the heathens of the land, they opposed the reconstruction of the temple. Now, when you begin to live for God, when you turn to the Lord and you begin that process of rebuilding your life, you will run into opposition. There will be those who will be threatened by your new faith. They will feel threatened by your new lifestyle, and they will oppose it. They will try to talk you out of it. They will try to make you think that life was better before you repented. And they may even take the personal attacks and, and start calling you names and, and call you a hypocrite and a goody-two-shoes and make you feel bad for the fact that you've turned from your sins and you've turned to the Lord and that you're rebuilding your life and your faith. Those opposed to the reconstruction of the temple they took a few actions to stop the rebuilding process. They sent a letter to King Artaxerxes, basically telling Artaxerxes that if he allowed the reconstruction of the temple, the people of Jerusalem would rebel against the Medo-Persian Empire. And they scored a temporary victory because when they sent that letter to Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes ordered the halt to the reconstruction process. He ordered them to stop rebuilding the temple. And so in that case, and this happened a couple of chapters ago, in that case, the opposition scored a temporary victory. And sometimes as Christians, our opposition scores a victory. Sometimes as Christians, our opposition does something and we experience a setback. Sometimes we experience temporary setbacks. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we run into roadblocks. Sometimes our efforts are frustrated. Sometimes we experience temporary setbacks, but these are just temporary. Even if you are experiencing a setback in your life right now, God is still with you. His hand is still on you, and he is still working in your life. And we see how this works in Ezra chapter 5, because going back a couple of chapters, Artaxerxes ordered that the Israelites quit building the temple. Now, we know through reading the scripture, and they knew through the prophecies of Haggai and Zechariah that God's will was for that temple to be rebuilt. Yet, a government order came down ordering that the temple not be built. They had suffered a setback, but God's hand was still on them. God's will was still on them, and God was still working in the city of Jerusalem and in the nation of Israel. So when you suffer a setback, when you suffer a roadblock, when, when, you, when your efforts are hampered, just know that God's hand is still on you and he is still working in your life. In Ezra chapter 6, God comes through for his people. He moves the heart of King Darius to order the rebuilding of the temple. Now, even though Darius ordered this, the people had already begun moving forward and rebuilding the temple. Interesting thing happened back in chapter 5. You got Haggai and you've got Zechariah. They start prophesying, and the prophecies were that God was still with them and that they should continue to build the temple. So they went back to work building the temple, even without government permission. And so when the opponents saw that, they wrote a letter to King Darius, and they said, hey, they went back to building the temple. Darius, who was new to the job here, goes searching through all the decrees that were issued finds the one by Cyrus that was issued back in Ezra chapter 1 and decides that he's going to uphold that decree. And so he orders, and check out what happens in Ezra chapter 6. He not only orders that the reconstruction of the temple continue, but he tells the, uh, the opposition to not only stay out of the way, but if they need help, to help them. And then he orders that the king's finances, that government money, go to help the rebuilding of the temple. Now, when you read Ezra chapter 6, there are a few things that may jump out at you, and there were three things that jumped out at me. 
The first one is that God rewards faith. The second one is that God fulfills promises. And the third one is that God restores joy. First of all, God rewards faith. In chapter five, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the people and they prophesied to the people and this prompted the elders and the priests and everybody to get together and start rebuilding this temple. Now you have to wonder what is it that the prophets said to the people that the prophets prophesied that motivated them not only to take up the major reconstruction project that is the rebuilding of the temple, but also to do so in defiance of a king's order. Well, if you read the book Haggai, you go to the Old Testament, you read the books of Haggai, and you read the, uh, the book of uh, Zechariah, the books of Haggai and Zechariah, you'll see exactly what they prophesied, because what they prophesied in Ezra chapter 5 is written down in the books of Haggai and Zechariah. And I encourage the reading, but I can summarize it for you. In the book of Haggai, he basically called out the Israelites on their priorities, saying, listen, if it's time for you to rebuild your own houses, it's time for you to rebuild the temple as well. And then Haggai went on to say that the Lord is with you. So Haggai's central message was to evaluate your, your priorities and to know that the Lord is with you. In the book of Zechariah, Zechariah prophesied that the hand of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of the temple, which was how far they'd gotten in the reconstruction process before Artaxerxes told them to stop. Zechariah prophesied that the hand of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of the temple and that by his hand, the temple would be finished and that all would know that the Lord had visited them. And so that's what they prophesied. And you can read that in the books of Haggai and Zechariah. Now, upon hearing these prophecies, the people went forth to rebuild the temple. They heard the word of God and they believed the word of God. And therefore, they acted on the word of God. That's called acting on faith. That's called living by faith. Today, we have the word of God and we hear the word of God. We have the word of God written down in the Bible, in the scriptures. God put his word into writing. And that's a pretty valuable thing because in today's world, written word is everything. You know, there was a time that a smile and a handshake could get business done. And people were just honest to the point. There was a matter of honor. The matter of honor was that if you didn't follow through on your word, then you were not only a dishonorable man, but you were a worthless human being. There was a time in our culture when your honor was everything to you. The, the, the fact of you know how people viewed you, how people understood your character, your character was everything, your integrity was everything, therefore your honor was everything. So if you made a promise verbally, then you honored that promise, you followed through on that promise. And so there was a time when a smile and a handshake was enough to get business done because people valued their honor, honesty, and integrity that much. Today, the tables have changed. Today, what people see as a victory is when they're able to get one over on the other person. You see that following through on your verbal commitment is no longer the top priority of many people today. Many people, the victory for them is when they're able to sneak one under the table. And so therefore, spoken word is not valuable anymore between two individuals in today's world. We have to put everything in writing. 
and we have to put down every contingency in writing. That way, there is a written record of what the agreement is so that nobody can back out and say, no, no, that's not what I said, and so that everybody can remember the promises. God, God is amazing. I mean, he is, when I say God is honest, I mean, that's an understatement. God is integrity. God is love. God is morality. God is honor. Okay. God speaks his word. God will honor his word. But for our benefit, God put his word in writing so that we can always go back to it and see the promises that he has made to us and see the covenants that he has made with us. He put his word into writing. We have the written word of God. And not only do we have the written word of God in the Bible, but we hear the word of God preached. You're hearing the word of God preached right now as you listen to your radio. And we have scores of excellent Bible teachers who have radio ministries, television ministries, writing ministries, who write columns, who write books, who write blogs. We have a plethora of great Bible preachers and teachers. And if you come off of the radio and you go actually go into a church building, there are many churches here in the Brown County area that have excellent pastors who preach the word in spirit and in truth and who deliver to you the word of God every single Sunday. We hear the word of God preached. What pleases God is when we hear the word, we believe the word, and then we act on the word. That's called living by faith. And God rewards faith that is acted upon. In verses seven through eight, the Bible says, let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in his place. Moreover, I make a decree what ye shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God, that of the king's goods, even of the tribute beyond the river, forthwith expenses be given unto these men, that they be not hindered. The people had acted on their belief in the word of God that was prophesied to them, that God was with them, and that the temple would be completed in their lifetime. And so they acted on their belief by moving forward with the construction process. And God rewarded them by turning the heart of the king to reinforce them through a decree. This situation shows that if you do what God wants you to do, he will come through for you. God rewards faith by legitimizing it. God rewards faith by legitimizing it, and he legitimizes it by coming through for you. You see, we have this fear. We have this fear today that if we stand out and we live out for God, that we live for God, that we allow ourselves to we allow ourselves to be his representatives, that we live in a way for God that is noticeable. We're afraid that things won't work out and then everybody will laugh at us for having trusted God. There's a joke about an elderly lady who was struggling to have enough food to feed her grandchildren that lived with her. And so every morning she would go out on the porch and she would pray to God that he would provide for her and her grandchildren. And there was an atheist lived across the street from her and Every morning, she would go out on her front porch to pray so that she wouldn't wake up the kids. And every morning, he would see her, and he would make fun of her, saying, you know, you believe in God? He hasn't done anything for you. Look, you are still in poverty. You're still, you know, you still lack food. God hasn't taken care of you at all. 
And she would say, you leave me alone. I will continue in my faith. And she would pray to God that he would, that he would bring food to them, that he would provide for them. Well, one day, this atheist decided he was going to play a joke on this lady. And so he goes out to the grocery store and loads up a couple of shopping carts full of groceries, gets them, you know, checks out, gets them bagged up, takes them to her house and sits them out there on the front porch. And then he goes back to his front porch and he waits. Surely enough, at the usual time of the morning, the elderly lady came out and she saw the food on the front porch and she begins to praise God. Thank you, Lord. You have seen our need and you have met our need. You have provided the food for us. And that atheist started laughing. Oh, you fool woman. God didn't provide that food for you. I bought those groceries for you. To which the elderly lady turned back to the heavens again. She goes, oh, praise you, Lord. Not only did you meet my need for food, but you used the heathen's money to do it. God legitimized her faith. And God comes through for us like that as well. Most people don't act on their faith and they don't act on the word because they don't trust God to come through for them. But God will never leave you empty handed. God will never send you out on a limb and then saw the branch off. God will come through for you. So trust God and act on his word. Repent of your sins. Trust Jesus Christ as your personal savior. That's trusting God and acting on his word turning from your sins and trusting the Lord as your Savior. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there are no promises of God that apply to you until you accept that free gift of salvation. Trust God and act on his word. Perhaps you do know the Lord as your Savior. You've been a Christian for many years, and I'm sitting here on the radio telling you to act on his word, and you say, okay, what great phenomenal feat shall I accomplish for the Lord today? How about we begin by simply obeying God's word? God's word tells us to forgive those who have wronged us, to be forgiving to our enemies. Do you have the faith it takes to forgive? You see, a lot of people that have been done wrong, they don't want to forgive. They don't want to forgive because they're afraid that that means that the person who wronged them is going to get away. They're afraid that the person who wronged them will not be held accountable. They're afraid that the person who wronged them will continue to wrong them. But Jesus tells us to forgive our enemies because, because the Lord has forgiven us. But then there's that matter of what about justice? What about doing what's right? What about making sure that they are held accountable for their actions? The Bible also makes a promise about that. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. You see, when you forgive somebody, then you step away from the position of administering judgment to the person who did you wrong. And when you step away from that position, God steps into that position. Now, if you are concerned about whether or not that individual is held accountable, would it be better for you to sit here in your living room and plot revenge and the anger and bitterness that brings about in your heart? Or would you rather free your heart to enjoy the goodness of God and allow God to be the one to hold that person accountable? Listen, There is nothing you can do to the person who harmed you that will be as powerful as what God will do to them if you will simply forgive that person and turn loose and allow God to deal with the situation. And when God deals with the situation, when God deals with the person who wronged you, he is going to do one of two things. One, he is going to pour out a punishment on them that is seemingly unbearable. Or if the, if the, receptiveness is there, God will redeem that person 
And oftentimes that redemption comes through allowing that person to suffer the consequences of their action. But there's a certain redemptive quality to stepping back and allowing God to be the one to carry out the vengeance. Meanwhile, your heart is healthier because you no longer hold that hate and that anger in your heart against the individual who wronged you. That is trusting God to work in that situation is the ultimate exercise in faith. We talk about the faith it takes to become a missionary and to go overseas. We talk about the faith it takes to trust the Lord with our finances and give our 10% tithe. In my experience, the things that took the greatest amount of faith is simply following the biblical command which came forth from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to forgive those who have wronged us, to forgive our enemies, to love our enemies. If you can do that, that is the ultimate expression of faith. And God rewards that faith. If you will trust God and forgive those who have wronged you, God will come through for you and he will legitimize your faith. And then reach out. Do we trust God enough to share our faith with others? Or do we fear the rejection that may come from that? See, God rewards faith. And when we have faith in God, what do we have faith in? We have faith in him as God, but we have faith in his promises. And you know what? God keeps his promises. God kept his promise that Zerubbabel would complete the temple. That promise given in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 9, which says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. And then we see this fulfilled in verses 14 through 15 of Ezra chapter 6. And the elders of the Jews builded, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edo. And they builded and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month, Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. God promised through Zechariah that the temple would be rebuilt. God followed through, and in these verses, the people celebrate its completion. When God promises, he follows through. He promised in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God promised that those who believe in Jesus Christ would have everlasting life. Jesus promised in John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That promise is that if you turn from your sins and you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you never have to worry about the condemnation of God. Hell and God's judgment ever again. You have been passed from death and judgment into eternal life in his kingdom. And God will promise through on those promises. God promised that the Lord would return to us. Jesus himself promised that he would return to us, rescue us, and establish his kingdom with us in it. In John chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. God will one day follow through on that promise. And he promises to be with us always. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, 
I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Notice that promise. God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, therefore, we shouldn't be covetous. We should trust that the Lord will take care of our financial situation. Christ has promised to be with us always, and he is. And then finally, God restores joy. In verse 22, it says that they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God. The people were joyful. They joyfully worshiped. They had joy in their hearts. God had restored their joy, their happiness, their celebration. He'll restore yours as well. But notice where this sense of joy comes from. The sense of joy came from the moment that they aligned their desires and their will with God's. God's desire was for that temple to be rebuilt. When the people set their desires to rebuild the temple of the Lord, all of a sudden God began to work and their joy was restored. Do you want your joy restored in life? Align your purposes with the purposes of God. We'd like to, we'd like to invite you to come visit with us at Life Point Baptist Church. We meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility, Sunday School at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11. Our meeting at the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility is a temporary arrangement. We're using that to hold our worship services while we await the completion of our brand new worship center on Sunrise Drive in Early. We'd love to meet with you this morning, pray with you, and get to know you personally. But if we don't get to meet this morning, maybe sometime in the near future. In the meantime, may God bless you and may God keep you will be our prayer.